0: Opening day. Hell yeah. Opening day, Major League Baseball. Always the best day of the year. Really is. I'm in first place. Zero and zero. You have to wear a suit. You have to wear a tie. You go to the ballpark. You go early. I always loved opening at home. I loved opening on the road. It didn't matter. I just wanted to start. You're so tired of spring training. You're so tired of games not mattering. You want it to count. You want that edge. I've not lost that edge since my last opening day in 2017. But I did get to thinking, do you ever do this? What were you doing 10 years ago today? There's so much excitement about the new rule changes. People are writing right now that this could be it. People will look back at 2023 and say this was the year that baseball changed forever. This was the year that hitters started hitting for singles and doubles and everybody's stealing bases. Game times are going to plummet. Get ready. I was telling Coca before the show, hey, what was I doing back in 2013? 10 years ago today was a tough opening day. We had just opened the new ballpark in 2012. Marlins Park had a terrible season, traded everybody to the Blue Jays, fired Ozzie Guillen, brought in Mike Redmond. It was his first day managing, and we were going to play the Nationals, who were supposed to be good that year. We had a decent team left, but clearly not what we had expected or hoped for. And we're going, Ricky, I'll never forget this. We're going Ricky Nolasco against Steven Strasburg in Washington. 10 years ago, opening day, 2013. We're sitting there. Bryce Harper's not a Philly yet. He's still on the Nationals. Home run. Bryce Harper is not a Philly yet. He's on the Nationals. Home run. 2-0. We could not score off Steven Strasburg. Can you imagine what happened in his sort of arc? Strasburg was building toward the 2019 World Series championship, becomes a free agent, signs, and then is never heard from again. Ricky Nolasco pitched a gem for us opening day, and we lost 2 to nothing. the Marlins did to the Nationals. And guess what the time of game was? two hours and 10 minutes. And if someone said today that an opening day game is going to be two hours and 10 minutes, you're going to have a press release. MLB is ready. Average game time for opening day down 14 minutes from last year. Media is going to come up with tweets about it. Everyone's going to be trying to use what I like to call confirmation bias. We've got to show people that these rule changes with the new slogan, which is, what is it What is it again? Coca, baseball's the best for us, or baseball is what it is, or it can't be what it won't be, or it should be what it's not. Here it is. Baseball is something else. I'll tell you what's something else. My indigestion before every game, that was something else. The amount of Tums and Gaviscon I would eat, that was something else. The amount of pumpkin seeds I would eat. That's something else. Hearing James Earl Jones's voice, that's something else. But a two hour and 10 minute game, that's the same old thing An opening day. So that's what I was doing 10 years ago. So teams are getting ready. It's eight o'clock in the morning right now. We're live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. If you're listening to us, thank you. But if you're watching, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to subscribe. Do we ever get just to 12 With all of the excitement from joining Metalark and everything that's happened on the audio side, are we getting the pickup on the video side, Coca? Anyway, tell your friends to watch us every day at 8 a.m. and hit subscribe. We'll still do the 12,000 giveaway, but the next one we're going to have to do is like the 20,000 giveaway. And then 50, and then 75, 100, et cetera. Because at some point, we got to catch Levitard at the very least, I would think. All right, we're only 22 away from from what? 12,000? All right, so just find 22 people to subscribe, would you please, today, and then submit your name and we'll figure out how to get a winner. All right, let's get back to opening day. So it's 8 o'clock, always up 8 o'clock opening day, especially if it's a 1 o'clock game. For a 1 o'clock game, the call time, which is what you use in theater, but there really is a call time. It's a report time is what's put on the board, but I always thought it was a call time. It's going to be about four hours before the game. Players will start coming in. 9 a.m. they'll be there. Staff will be there by 8 o'clock at the latest for a 1 o'clock game because you're opening your gates at 11, two hours before the game, so you've got to be ready. You go to your ballpark, you do one final walk around, you go to the clubhouse, you look around, make sure everything's perfect and pristine you sit with the manager, you sit with the owner, you go over the list of VIP guests, you look at where tickets are sold, where they're not sold, you're doing the business of the president, but inside you're just all, this is for a home opener, you're just, you're so ready for the chance that something good could happen, just the chance. And if you're the Yankees this year, it's really no different. The Yankees are opening at home against the San Francisco Giants. It's actually the first game of the year will be the Yankees. There's two first games. There's Braves-Nats, and there is Yankees-Giants. I wonder if the Nats fans are thinking, you know, 10 years ago, we beat the Marlins 2-0 with Strasburg. Now we've got Patrick Corbin going, and the guy can't even get Samson out. And we're going against Max Freed. Now, Max Freed may not be as good as Tim Hudson, but maybe he is. Tim Hudson was the pitcher 10 years ago. So the Yankees will start at 1 o'clock, and as they embark on their season, getting out of the gates, I've talked to you about how much it matters. Do you think the players are examining their season predictions, their over-under totals? The players are aware of the following during the course of a season, as are the executives. They are aware of each day's starting pitchers, They are aware of whether they are favorites or not on a particular day. Before the season starts, they are aware of their own team total, and they're also aware of their playoff odds. That is true prior to a season. Then, as the season starts, you get into April, you get into May, you get into June, they start focusing less on what the over-under total was. They can't remember what it was. They start realizing, are they having a good year? Are they not having a good year? Is the team overperforming, underperforming? They are looking at the scoreboard, they're looking at the division standings, but not the playoff percentages. Then around the deadline, as you get into July and August, players start paying attention again. But the over-under for teams that people do pre- pre-season, the exciting bet that you should find on DraftKings right now, and you can look at all the team totals, that's something the that teams are aware of only now. I can't remember a team total for the marlins or the expos over my 18 years i can't remember one of them i don't remember how many times we went over our total how many times we went under our total but i can tell you what our team record was but not the total but i want to look at some totals we do something here on nothing personal we're going to give you a bunch of season wagers to do and then we're going to have of course our picks of the day because we get to pick games today baseball games Although well, we won the basketball game again yesterday, let's talk about the Yankees, okay? The Yankees have an over under of 93 and a half games. Under. Here's why the Yankees are going to go under because I picked yesterday the Blue Jays to win the division. And for, if the Blue Jays are going to win the division and the Yankees are going to go over, that means the Blue Jays have to win 95 games to the Yankees, 94 games. But the reason I have the Yankees winning under 93 and a half games is you are going to go through this season and you're going to count with me the number of starting pitchers that are going to have to use and the number of starting pitches you've never heard of. Because while Severino may come back sooner than you think, Montas is not going to come back sooner than you think. You've got to always worry about regression with Cortez and Garrett Cole is still a Cy Young favorite, but every year that passes, he's one year more removed from what his prime was. So when I look down their rotation, I worry. When I look at what the regression will be of their lineup, named Aaron Judge, I worry. The rest of their lineup, am I counting on a huge improvement from Donaldson? No. Under Yankees, 93 and a half. But do you know what's not going to be under for the Yankees? Their team revenue. That take the over. The Yankees announced something yesterday. I hope that you paid attention to this. On the hour that I do with John Skipper, that's going to turn into an official show here in about a month and a half called The Sporting Class, but we're going to have a show every couple of weeks where we have been in the Levitard feed talking about sports business. And on this show, Nothing Personal, you've learned about the bankruptcy of the regional sports networks. You've learned about all of the issues that will result from that and the really decreased revenue that teams are going to see. But I've never talked to you about the Yankees because the YES Network is their network. They own a percentage of the YES Network. That's the network they started. They don't own 100% of it. The Yankees get paid a rights fee from the YES Network, but they also get a distribution as being an owner of the YES Network from YES's profitability. That is a network that is not solely devoted to the New York Yankees there is an entire issue surrounding baseball about streaming rights. Streaming rights mean that if you don't have a authenticating account, a cable account, people call it cord cutting. You can look at it differently. When you sign in to look at a Yankee game on your device, in order to see it, you have to have an account with the following eight companies, eight cable companies all of whom then authenticate you as a cable user, therefore allowing you to stream Yankee games. What the Yankees announced yesterday, and this is a landmark announcement, and make sure it doesn't get swept under the rug, the Yankees are now offering you the ability to stream their games without having to authenticate with a cable company. How great is that for all of the cord cutters? We are here for you but it'll cost you $24.99 a month. But if you do it right now, you can get it for $19.99 a month. Hip, hip, hooray. And if you sign up for the whole year, you get a discount. And you'd say to yourself, but the Yankees don't play for a whole year. Yeah, but they got the Nets. They have the Liberty. They'll have games throughout the year. It'll all work out great for you. Don't you worry. Here's a question I have for you, the consumer. When you add up your cable bill, plus what you pay for certain apps and certain streaming services, then you get rid of cable and you do Hulu Live or YouTube Live or whatever you do to get your live channels. Then you add up what you do separately on a per month basis. It's $5.99 for this bundle or $8.99 for that service. You are spending less money if you bifurcate and just keep track of this. It's easy to do. Take out your cable and put in everything else, add it up your monthly charge will be less. Here's the small problem. The only people who are going to pay $24.99 to watch the Yankees are, wait for it, Yankee fans. Those same fans who have cut their cords ready are also the fans who would have spent $224 a year to get all the teams. That's called the direct TV or the extra innings package, or you go on MLB.com and you get every out-of-network game. But the point is now you get in-network games for $24.99 through the Yes Network streaming app only. You can watch your Yankee games. Are you going to keep paying for that if the Yankees are bad? Would you pay that for a team who you don't like in your market in order to get out of blackouts? If your answer to that question is no, you are the reason why Major League Baseball is trying to get all the rights in-house so then they can distribute all of the games of all of the teams digitally and eliminate all blackouts and then let you pay for what you want but share revenue because more of you are going to buy the Yankees app than would buy the Kansas City Royals streaming service app. Can we agree with that and teams who are out of the race earlier people are going to stop paying that monthly premium it all makes sense for what consumers do if you don't have the content to offer we are not giving you the money it's why all these content providers netflix are coming out with new movies every other day amazon original series apple tv what makes it worth it it can't just be ted lasso it can't just be shrinking though i would pay my monthly bill, I got a year's worth just for those two alone, but they're always doing more new original content. It's why when you're in the content business, ding, 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 cha-ching, cha-ching, everybody needs content. And if you're good content, you can negotiate with a bunch of different companies and make some money. So this Yes Network streaming service announcement is a little <clears throat> right into the eye of Major League Baseball because baseball would like to get the streaming rights back from the Yankees. And the Yankees said, we're getting ahead of you. We're starting the streaming service and we're making it so you can cut your cord. Give me your money. Crosstown, Steve Cohn is saying, damn it. I should have given $3 billion for the franchise and bought SNY. When Steve Cohn bought the Mets, He did not get the network that the Mets had started the same way the Yankees started. Yes, there is co-ownership of the team in the network. With the Mets, there is not co-ownership. The Wilpons still have their share of SNY, former owners of the Mets, and Steve Cohn has the Mets. He calls up and says, hey, are we doing a uh, streaming service? And they'll say, mind your own business. It's not up to you. It's up to us. And when we do it, guess who's going to get the money? Not you, us. Steve Cohn could use the money. Steve Cohn is losing so much money this year that he looks at his team and says, I've got the same over-under as the Yankees. I guess it makes sense. We're the top two payrolls. The Mets over-under is 93 and a half. Here's the second wait to see. Mets are going under also. It's hard to win 94 games. And you're going to say, but David, they both won 100 games. Go to DraftKings and take the Mets and Yankees both to win over 90 games you can do it. Mets 93 and a half under. Why do I say that? I am concerned about the number of starts of of Scherzer and Verlander, and I'm concerned about the depth below. Don't forget, they made a signing this offseason that I loved. Remember Jose Quintana? He's out. Having no closer, harder than you think. David Robertson will not be able to hold down the closer's job all season long. They're going to have to make it work with maybe Adavino, or maybe someone who they don't even have yet. Mets under 93 and a half games. Can you imagine when you have a, a when someone owes you money? Go with me down a little mental rabbit hole. When someone owes you like 20 bucks or 25 bucks, is there a limit over which you think about it and under which you don't and just let it go? So you a friend borrows 10, hey, can you just can you buy me that? Can you? let me five bucks. I need tow money or five bucks. I want to, I guess that's a, that's an old example. Give me $5. I want to buy a hot dog at a game. You sort of forget it. There's all these apps where you can Venmo each other or share money or split the bill and do all that stuff. But there's an amount of money where you're like, eh, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If your friend says, hey, I need to borrow rent money. Give me $1,500 and you do it you sort of think about, "Eh, I'd really, I'm going to want that back. We're going to actually have to talk about when that would come back. Let's give it a day. I'm going to need that money by blank. Well, I'll pay you half now, half later, whatever the case is. That's the same with big business. Big businesses have accounts receivables. And if you owe a business, you know, $1.99, we're going to bill you, but we're going to eventually send it to collections, but it's going to be in a category that's given to me by the CFO, in sort of collectibles, and it'll all be uh, put together into a bigger number and it won't be broken down and I won't think much about it. But if we have a sponsor that owes us a million dollars for the sponsorship, that's a list that I get before opening day. Here's the companies who have not paid and you go to those companies and say, hey, we're gonna take your name off the wall. We are not gonna run your ad during the seventh inning behind the plate. We're gonna take your name off the ribbon board. If you miss this payment that you owe us, because all sponsorship deals have all, all sponsorship deals that I did had payments right around opening day as part of a step payment. You want to get paid when you have your expenses. And in baseball, the players are starting to get paid starting today. So now is when your expenses are at an all time high. So what you say is, you know what? I need to pay attention to that. You think the San Diego Padres are paying attention when they're owed? Let's just give you a number of. million from their TV partner and that money is owed at 11.59 p.m. the day before opening day and its company's bankrupt and they haven't paid yet. You think the Padres were paying attention? The Padres have been not just paying attention, they were negotiating with Diamond Sports who declared bankruptcy, trying to figure out whether or not they're going to get the money, negotiating how much they can get, when they can get it, telling them, if you don't pay us, we are breaking the contract because you're in violation and we are moving the rights to MLB. MLB sitting at the table all excited to get their first team as they start Operation Revenue Share, Operation Avoid Lockout in 2027, Operation Give It To Me. That's what MLB is trying to do. So you're sitting there negotiating and all of a sudden they say, all right, check your account. You refresh it and there it is. That's what happened last night, right? Right before the deadline, like five or six hours, the Padres got their rights fee payment. And when you pay your bill, the other side has to fulfill the contract. So the Padres still have a deal with Ballys. Very, very stressful. Now they worry about the next payment because the way rights fees deals work is you get paid monthly. So every single month. There is going to be a question as to whether or not the Padres are going to get their money. So MLB has to be at the ready. It's like being a standby on Broadway. You're ready to play the part. You're all excited, waiting for the text message every day. Am I in? Am I out? And you have to be mentally ready. MLB has to be mentally ready for the possibility of taking over the broadcast of any one of Bally's teams at any point during the season. It's a tough place to be. The Padres over-under is the same as the Yankees and the Mets, 93 and a half, under- There is so much hype with the Padres. They have the biggest opportunity to screw it up. Tatis is suspended for the first 20 games. They've got depth. They've got a decent pitching staff. I'm not a huge opening day Blake Snell guy. I don't view him as the number one starter. All of that said, do not sleep on the Dodgers. Take the Padres under. Who else can we give you as a way to see? Oh, we got to talk about the Angels, don't we? Angels, 82 and a half. I'm sorry you know where I am on this. You listened to yesterday's show. Under. That means that they could finish 581-81, but I'm predicting another sub-500 season. They are in a very tough division. They play that division fewer times, but still, even with a balanced schedule, it's going to be hard for the Angels to do it. Take the under. All right, what about the Cardinals? I've got them as an over 88 and a half. You may want to book that one. The Cardinals are not favored by as much as they should be in the Central Division. I am so bearish on the Brewers, sadly, and so bullish on the Cardinals that I believe the Cardinals win this division with well over 90 wins. As a matter of fact, that is the one I'm most comfortable with, is Cardinals 88.5 over. Two little other crazy bets. Can we do that, Coca? Two other weights to see. You can combine teams, and then you can say what's going to happen. Look at this one. Diamondbacks, Orioles, Marlins. Three teams that you're not thinking much of, three teams that don't have much of a chance, but three teams who are good enough to make some noise. Diamondbacks, Marlins, Orioles. All three of them are going to win 72 or more games. So write that down. Diamondbacks, Marlins, Orioles. All three will win over 72 games. And if you bet it on DraftKings, that's a plus 150 bet. I am booking it. The Marlins showed yesterday their new uniform patch. Did anyone see that? When you're a team, you know what our job is. We have to maximize revenue. We'll sell anything. We will sell spots on the field. We'll sell spots on the wall. If the Boston Red Sox can sell advertising on the Green Monster, if the Chicago Cubs can sell advertising in the Ivy in the outfield, nothing is sacred. 20 years ago, it was don't make major league parks look like minor league parks. Don't have too much signage. Get more, get fewer signs, but charge more. So there's more of an exclusivity. That was the plan for Marlins Park when it opened. We wanted fewer partners paying more. So it would look less cluttered. And then you realize that you can make more money by having more people pay less than fewer people paying more because usually that math could work in a restaurant business or in some business where if you charge enough per meal, you can have fewer meals per night to make the profit you want because you can control your expenses. You don't need to buy 100 meals worth of food if you're serving 50 meals. In baseball, your payroll is going up and up and you need new sources of revenue. It's not a surprise why streaming is happening, why the Yankees are charging what they charge. You charge as much as you can for tickets you do studies. What is the maximum we can charge for this area? Dynamic pricing basically tells you where the market is. Baseball is now allowing teams to put uniform patches on. It's going to be helmet decals coming up after this year. Watch, wait and see. The Marlins put on a huge ADT patch. I get it. I would not care about the aesthetic. Our owner who had an eye for art would always care about how the signs looked in the building. And I would always say to him, if the other side is paying you, then let them do what they want. And he would say, but I want it to look good. And I would say, I get it, but it's their money and it's their logo. Well, can we change their logo? No, no, it's their logo. ADT has a logo. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't complain about it. The Marlins have the third highest payroll they've had in their history of the franchise they're going to be looking at ways to get more money. It's not the end of the world. The only thing they did that I took issue with, I mean, they do so many things, but they're trying. They did a tweet to announce it. And they said, making history alongside ADT. And that just made me smile. They said that ADT becomes our first official Jersey patch partner. And ADT would want that. They'd want sort of that tweet. They'd want the social media acknowledgement. But I think that you have to be careful when you're dealing with changes, right? You don't want to talk about the fact that you're making history because I would always say, I'd rather make history on the field. I'd rather not show off the fact that I'm making history with a partnership off the field. It's the your mark school of running a team where you stand up and do press conferences and announce partnerships and all the things that you're doing with reckless total indifference or disregard to what the amount of those partnerships is, but you think the good PR is going to help raise your brand and raise your sort of awareness in your market. It doesn't really work that way. It's the money that matters. If you're giving away your jersey patch, you only get to do it once. You better make sure that you got the value. You can actually hire companies who can help give you the value, but MLB is the best help because they know what the other teams are getting. Shh, don't tell anyone. They know what the other teams are getting, so you can know where you slot in. (gasps) What else? Let's keep going. Astros, Dodgers, Braves. I love that DraftKings is doing this. Can we do this, Coca? Astros, Dodgers, Braves are all over 90 wins. You get plus 175. The Astros are definitely going to win over 90. The Braves are definitely going to win over 90. The Dodgers, you may be saying, they may not. Their payroll went down. Forget it. You guys are being suckers. All three of those teams will win over 90 games, and we're going to get plus 175 for that, Coca. Book it. Astros, Dodgers, Braves, all over 90, or 90 plus, which means if they go 90 and 72, we win. That's plus 175. Yummy. Yummy. 8.27, 9.27, 10.27, 11.27, 12.27, four hours and 38 minutes from now. <clears throat> all right, let's take a break. We come back. I still watched the movie yesterday, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with minor leaguers in baseball. A huge announcement was made. And for all of you who have been waiting for a union with minor leaguers, so excited that the players are finally getting represented and how great it's going to be for them. The announcement last night was for you, or was it? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. We're live, Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about us. Give me movie suggestions. I'm embarrassed to tell you what I watched this week because I should have watched it prior to the Oscars and I was not able to get to it. It was a documentary nominated for best documentary called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. It is now available on HBO Max. It is the story of Nan Golden. Nan Golden is a woman who became addicted to opioids. And it is the story of what she did in an attempt to make the Sackler family accountable for what they were doing. It is a staggeringly interesting movie on a subject where we've seen dope sick. We've seen all sorts of stories about the Sackler settlement, about the fact that They were held personally not liable. They were able to pay a fee of billions of dollars, but not for long enough that the interest on what they currently have will pay for it. All the accountability that you would hope to get from people who knowingly produce something that is addictive and then lied about it being addictive. This documentary hurt so many people I know and so many people I don't have been impacted by the opioid crisis. And I'm not just talking about baseball players, I'm talking about people that you know, famous, not famous, everybody's famous to their own family, right? Isn't that the case? It is not an uplifting documentary. It is a documentary that will make you angry. So I hate to suggest that you watch something that won't feel good, but many of the things I watch don't make me feel good and I use it as a way to help myself feel better help myself take responsibility, help myself learn something that I didn't know. This documentary will teach you things you did not know. Show what people can do. Activists, what can you do? With all of the shootings that are going on, with all of the overdoses, with everything that's bad, we all tend to say, I can't do anything. I can take care of my own little area, and that's the most I can be expected to do. And for me, that is good enough if you're doing that. If everybody did that, we'd be in a far better place as a country, if not a world. However, there are a select few of you who are watching who may get the spark by watching this documentary. If you're a fan of nothing personal and you watch this and you get the spark, you'll know you have the spark when something hits inside you that you change what you did today, tomorrow. That you change how you think today when you wake up tomorrow that somehow the light goes on. That is why these documentaries matter to me because one day, every day, somebody's light goes on. And that is what leads to change. When enough lights go on, when enough people change their behavior, when enough people are not overwhelmed by the problem, problems have a way of being dealt with. All the beauty and the bloodshed, please watch it. No, I'm not ranking it. We'll talk about that another day, what happened with me and Coke after the show. It was awesome. Good partnership. All right. Do you remember when the minor league players were told that they were going to form a union and MLB said that they would do it? And I went on record on nothing personal. And I said, yeah, Rob Manford's more than happy to have the minor league players in a union. They're going to negotiate a CBA. But believe you me, this will not happen benefit minor league players. Just you wait. Owners of any company, when their employees form a union, go look at Starbucks if you want. Go look at any company, I don't care which. When their employees are allowed to form a union and do, there are impacts, financial impacts, not PR impacts. What was announced yesterday is one of the great PR announcements of all time. A great PR announcement is when both sides can take credit for something and it looks good for both sides. It was announced that minor leaguers, because of their newfound protection by Tony Clark and the rest of the union, they stuck it to the major league owners who had to agree because they're unionized to increase the pay. Wait for it. If you used to be making forty eight hundred dollars a year, you're now making nineteen thousand eight hundred. If you used to be making eleven thousand, you're going to be making twenty six thousand. If you make it to double A, that means you're a good prospect. No, it doesn't. Instead of making thirteen thousand eight hundred, you're now going to make thirty thousand two fifty. What about triple A? Do you see how weird it is? AAA, $35,800, up from $30,250 in AA. You get a $5,000 increase. AAA players used to get $17,500. Now they're going to get $35,800. Do you know what that means? That means that all of the veteran players who used to be stuck down at AAA for depth. We're going to have fewer of those. Minimums are going up. Celebrate. Release PR. Guess what? In little tiny print, it became known that something called the reserve list has gone down. A reserve list is the minimum number of players that you have to have in your organization. Just FYI, the union as part of this has agreed to allow MLB to trim the reserve list to 165 down from 180. That is 15 jobs that are gone and we're just starting. exactly what I told you would happen. The increase that these players are having is going to be dulled by the fact that fewer players are going to be made available to have the increase. You don't think that it's just math? That's all these negotiations are. You take the number of players and what they were making versus the number of players and what they now have to make under the new minimums, and you add it up and you say, okay, we're now giving an extra blank to our minor league players, which means we've got to have a savings of blank somewhere else because we're not going to spend more money on minor league players. I'm telling you that right now. There are not 23 teams in baseball who gave MLB the permission to just start giving money away to minor league players. It didn't happen that way. The amount of money that we spend on players who are never going to make it, we are not going to spend more money on those players and we know who you are. And you think the union is protecting you as a minor league player by giving you these increases? I think it's actually tragedy what they're doing. I think that the union that was meant to protect these players is hurting these players because now they're getting this big raise in their mind and they're saying, you know what? Let me hang on. I'm now making $35,000 for my six months of work. I'm going to hang on to the dream and hope I can become a major leaguer because then I can make $750,000 or a million or go to free agency and get rich. We hold it out there. Why do you think we only show you commercials of people who win the lottery? standing there with their check of $100 million or $2 billion? Where is the commercials of all the people who buy lottery tickets, who have no money, who do that instead of buying groceries? I'm just curious. Why aren't they part of an advertising plan? Because no one wants to see the underbelly. No one wants to see where things are financed or how they're financed. No one wants to see the story other than the movie 2 Leslie. No one wants to see the story of what happens to the people who are poor and stay poor, for the people whose dreams are never going to come true, but are lulled into this false sense of possibility. All you need is a dollar and a dream. That's the damn slogan from the lottery. A dollar and a dream. Who do you think they're talking to, me? You? That's what baseball's doing here. That's what the union's doing here. A dollar and a dream. but they counted as a victory, both sides. We did it, we're protecting you. We're taking care of our minor league players. I'm not trying to yuck on the yum, I'm really not. I just wanna give you a behind the scenes view of what's really happening. Okay, NFL owners meetings. I gotta talk about some stuff that happened yesterday. My God, I love owners meetings. Went to four a year, every year, for a lot of years. Amazing what goes on, you're in a room where there's very important stuff being discussed. What's more important than the main owners meetings are all the side meetings that go on, all the little conversations at the bar before and after the meeting or in committees or by text. NFL owners meetings end. no talk of the Roger Goodell extension, no talk of the commander's sale, No idea whether the commanders are being sold or not. No idea whether it's to Jeff Bezos, Mark Cuban. Is it to Mitchell Rails and Josh Harris and Magic Johnson? Is it to Tillman Fernita? No one knows. The only thing that the NFL wants you to take away from its owners meeting about the commanders is don't you worry. We are going to make public the investigation done by Mary Jo White of the firm Samson Coca and nothing personal. I guess we can now add, right, it's Samson, Coca, and Lebetard and Tori, can we do that? I guess we could add everybody in the shipping container as part of this investigative firm. Coca, we can now hire them all, and we can all do this. But Roger Goodell wanted you to know, don't worry, unlike last time, where we didn't have anything in writing, what a bunch of horse hockey. We can't release it. We have no idea. It was never written. Okay. G-M-A-B. But this time, there's another investigation, and you can bet your bippy that we're going to release it, because if this one shows that Daniel Snyder was stealing money from you, you fellow owners, we're going to have the result in writing, and then we're going to get the votes to kick him out, and he knows it, so he's going to have to choose one of these buyers so he can sell the team and get out. It's like retiring before being fired, resigning before being fired. So that's pretty funny that that's what they announced. Jerry Jones must have really, really annoyed Roger Goodell by saying, hey, I've seen the report. (laughs) That's pretty good. The other thing that came out is that Roger Goodell and his owners and the players have a problem. When you are making rule changes, you've got to get player buy-in. You simply have to. They want to have the ability for teams to play two Thursday night games. Why? Because then the Thursday night package becomes worth more money. So the NFL passed a rule yesterday that teams are able to play two Thursday nights. Except the players are pissed. Roger Goodell actually went public when Patrick Mahomes did a shaking my head tweet, pissed off about the second Thursday game, knowing that he's going to be definitely a candidate as a Kansas City Royal to play two Thursday night games for 6'9". He is definitely a candidate as a Kansas City Chief to play two Thursday night games. Roger Goodell says, hey, listen, I don't think we're putting Amazon over our players. The data doesn't show a higher injury rate. And I hear from players that they love getting 10 days off after their game. True. Getting 10 days off after a Thursday night game is amazing. False. Playing four days after your Sunday game is smart. All in all, you'd rather be seven, 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 seven. And I'm not talking about the race. I'm talking about the amount of rest you get in between. JJ Watt put it perfectly. He said, if you want us to play on Sunday and then play on Thursday, you cannot tell me that you actually care about player safety. You can't care about our bodies. As it relates to flexing games, playing on Thursdays. It's going to be interesting to see. Amazon wants the flex. It was not voted on yet. In order to do something like that, you need to get 24 votes in football, much like you need to get 23 in baseball. That's a three quarters majority, but there's 32 teams in football. So every vote to get rid of Snyder, to change some of these rules, it's got to be 24 to 8. In baseball, it's got to be 23 to 7 football did not have the proper votes they only had 22 votes to go flex so there is no flex at the moment there will be it's going to be voted on again in may i promise you that the nfl will get the votes when we didn't have the votes for something we would go politicking for the votes and start trading out favors to get the votes we'll give you this if you give us the vote on that very very normal it goes on in washington it goes on on your board of directors it goes on in your business it goes on everywhere This level of trading, it may be the ugly underbelly of business, but it happens. And in sports leagues, it is no different. So that was something. You know, when you come out of an owner's meeting, you're supposed to tell the owners what you're going to say because the commissioner always meets the media. And you're supposed to be sort of have a connected tissue of PR. It's very hard for Roger Goodell right now. It's like herding cats. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. Did you see the Sixers beat the Mavericks by more than four and a half? Stick with me. We're 43 and 42. Again, I tell you, fade the Mavericks. They have a problem. I think they're now three games under 500 with their big two of Luka and Kyrie. All right, we've got four baseball picks for you. It's opening day. Let's go crazy. Angels over the A's, minus 210. Otani. If you can name the starting pitcher for the Oakland A's, give yourself a pat on the back and say to yourself, maybe I should be reading a book. I'm not saying Mueller's bad. I'm just saying minus 210 is a little light. Otani may only go four or five innings, so don't look for any overprops in what he's doing like with strikeouts, etc. But Angels, over A's. We got the Guardians Mariners late game tonight. I'm fascinated by this because the Mariners midseason acquisition, Luis Castillo is now their opening day starter. The Guardians were in a tough division fight. The Mariners are not. They're not gonna be able to come close to the Astros, but I'm getting plus money with Shane Bieber. If you can get plus 100 from Shane Bieber, you take it every day. Guardians over the Mariners. Let's talk about your Mets, Coca. The Mets are favored. How is that possible? The Mets are opening up in Miami in front of a crowd that will not be sold out, in front of Mets fans that will outnumber Marlins fans, which always made me angry. We would say to baseball, do not open us against the Mets, period, because then we're fighting against a visiting crowd, basically, on our home opener. We got to write out on our schedule preference, what we wanted. I would always write, do not open against the Mets. Let me open against the Cardinals. Let me open against the Braves. I'll open up against anybody but the Mets. But the Marlins open against the Mets. You've got Scherzer over Alcantara. It's such a joke in South Florida. I would be so furious. There was something that um, I think Andy Slater tweeted on on Twitter that the Hard Rock uh, Casino Hotel it, which is like a little fu from the Dolphins to the Marlins, by the way. And don't kid yourself. The Hard Rock held a rally for Mets fans who were down in Miami for the home opener of the Mets. So there was this whole big party just for Mets fans that got PR, and it gave me a stomach ache. And I'm not even the president of the team anymore. It's how furious I would be. And it used to be that I'd be fine. Just give me the ticket revenue, and I'm good. I don't feel that way on opening day. Scherzer is favored over Sandy. Do you know why? Because the Marlins lineup is so bad. They are going to finish last in the league in runs scored. There are going to be changes made more in the front office. And you are going to see that whoever they brought in as their hitting coach, it didn't matter. Whatever they're doing doesn't matter. Mets over Marlins, Scherzer over Alcantara. You got to give minus 125 on the road in a home opener. Yikes, but do it. And the last pick of the day has the Diamondbacks over the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks are a team that people are sleeping on. Their opening day starter is Zach Gallen, the guy that the Marlins got from the Cardinals for Marcelo Zuna, along with Sandy Alcantara, and then move Zach Gallon to the Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm. Can you imagine getting Jazz Chisholm and Sandy Alcantara, the two biggest stars for the Marlins, all for Marcelo Zuna, from an organization that's really good at making trades? That was not a good trade. Zach Gallen is a better pitcher than you know. He's an all star caliber pitcher, and he's pitching against Julio Urias, making his first opening day start. Diamondbacks are plus 145. The Dodgers are good this year, but not as good. And the Diamondbacks are decent this year, not as bad as people are thinking. I like Gallen over Urias. Those are the picks Angels over the A's, Guardians over the Mariners, Mets over the Marlins. D backs over the Dodgers, four picks. It's opening day, baby. I could go live all the way through, but I'm going to record a Levitard show now. Right, we can keep going, Coca. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk about opening day, all the cool things that happened, the flyovers that happened, see what went right, what went wrong, the stories behind the scenes that you're not reading about or hearing about. We'll talk about them tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. <music>